Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 27th. Always listen inwardly for the voice of wise counsel. If you keep yourself fully open, you may hear suggestions even in the wind. Now, now, it's important, I believe, this is what Swami means, because he said, always listen inwardly for the voice of wise counsel. Then he says, if you do, you'll hear even the wind will talk to you. So the implication here is, it's that you're not only listening to yourself. Because there's lots of times where people talk about listening inwardly and what they mean is to my own inspiration. But always listen inwardly for the voice of wise counselor. Does he say for the voice? But the voice may come from any number of places. I remember Swamiji once giving us a very good example of this. There was this woman uh, that was a friend of Ananda. We visited her in her home. We knew her in various places. She lived outside of Ananda. Um, And she was a little daft. She was charmingly daft, as some like spiritually-minded people can be who, who have a lot of space to sort of follow their own flow as they see it and don't have a lot of checks and balances on their inner perceptions. So she was, she was a little daft. It was hard to say sometimes whether what she was saying really happened or didn't happen was really true or didn't true. But she was delightful. She was generous. She was original. God knows so many people in this world are so dull. Being daft was, you know, was very nice. By that I mean many people just follow the ordinary path. I just heard myself tell a joke. I, was, I, saw, I happened to see a recording from 12 years ago of myself and I told a joke, and this was the joke, or I made it, this was the humorous con- comment. It doesn't matter a damn if you can flow with the current in the middle of the river. After all, even a dead fish can do that. <laughs> it made me laugh. <laughs> I laughed at my own joke. <laughs> so a lot of people can float in the current in the middle of the river, and that's fine, that's what they're doing, but being a little outside the norm, when I first started with Ananda in 1969, actually started with the teachings of self-realization in 1966, believe me, I wasn't alone, but lunatic fringe was pretty much where we were. You know, gradually the word became cutting edge, you know, when it got to be a little more respectable, but I always preferred lunatic fringe. I thought it was a little more described my inner child than the cutting edge did. But this lady lived a little on the edge, the lunatic fringe, but she was lovely in countless ways. But she came to visit us at Ananda village, came to visit the community and Swamiji. And at that time, I was working as his appointment secretary. I was his secretary in general. And if anybody wanted a private appointment with him, which was something he, he willingly did, or he was willing to do, let me phrase it differently, they had to go through me, because I kept his calendar, just to keep him so that he could do his work. So this woman asked for a private interview, and she said she had a very important message for Swamiji. Now, I knew her, and I I knew the demands on Swami's time, 
Actually, he was writing, and so he wasn't quite as available. And I sort of said, you know, if you just if you if you explain it to me, then I would be very happy to talk to him about it. He's writing. That was it. He was writing. He was in seclusion. No, she said. It absolutely had to be delivered personally. There was no question. Well, maybe if you could just give me an idea of the subject, you know, just trying to. No, it's for his hearers only. I said, okay. So I went to Swamiji. I said, so-and-so's here. She's visiting. She, she says she needs a private interview with you. Swami sort of said, I'm working on this book. I said, I know, sir. I did my best to try to find a middle ground. But she says, it's for your, your ears only. And Swami just sort of spent a moment with it. And then he said, I'll see her. And then he, he put it this way. He said, whenever I decide that someone couldn't possibly have anything to say to me. He said, Divine Mother always disciplines me. In other words, he tries to follow his own advice. He made, remains inwardly open to wise counsel. And so here she is. She insists she has a message. He said, and he, he's ready to dismiss her. And he said, and then he did speak to her. And in fact, she did have a message for him that turned out to be something very helpful to him. It wasn't personal. It was something that Ananda could do that Swami took very seriously. But it was also, it was a whole cycle of don't ever imagine that no one can teach you. And at the same time, and we have other counsel in this book, don't just take anybody's word for it just because they think it's important. So it's always this balance point. And the, the word simply is humility. And humility, humility is, is not needing to prove yourself. Humility is not needing to be right and also not thinking of yourself as always wrong either. Humility is just, I'm sincerely exactly who I am, just standing where I'm standing. Some very good advice for spiritual life was given by Sister Gyanamata, who was the most advanced woman disciple of Yogananda. Um, and in a, in a book of letters, she made this suggestion, exactly how she phrased it, I'm not sure, but this is what I understood for it. You know, you must base your spiritual life on something that you absolutely know and have no doubts about it. And we may have a belief that a great many things are true, but we need to, to as the, the way, this is how I think about it now, you need to keep backing up until you can stand absolutely unshaken on something that nobody could dissuade you of because you really know it's true. At different stages of my life, I mean, these are the examples that I would use, well, my absolute sincerity. I don't, I don't have to be particularly good. I don't have to be particularly smart, wise, disciplined, deep. But I'm, I'm completely sincere. I, I absolutely know that I'm doing what I was called to do, and I'm doing it to the best I can. I'm not doing it to impress anybody. This is not a show I put on. If I'm all by myself, I'm just the same. I'm completely sincere. So people can say all sorts of things to me. One of my absolute favorite things was when someone came in and I was in this position of leadership, which I've been in for quite some time. And he said, you know, just basically just came and told me that essentially I don't know why anybody would trust you in that position because you're so incompetent. <laughs> now, if my faith was built on the fact that I was good... If my confidence was built on the fact that I was good, that would have been a pretty unpleasant thing to hear. But strangely, and this was a grace also, I just said, do you think I would still be doing this job if I already knew how to do it? 
So where, what was there to be defensive about? What difference did it make? I was listening. Is this wise counsel? Well, of course I'm not good at this. If I was good at it, God would have promoted me into something else I wasn't good at. <laughs> because all I need to be able to say is that I'm sincere. And once I'm sincere, I'm not threatened. If somebody tells me that I'm not sincere, I just, that's not wise counsel. I don't have to listen to that. Then I'm not very good at expressing who I am. I'll accept in a heartbeat because I'm not self-realized. How could I be perfect yet? We always have space to learn. You see? You don't have to be good at meditation to believe in the power of meditation. You don't have to have had a vision of Paramhansa Yogananda to know in your heart that he's your guru. You don't have to have ever met Jesus Christ to know that you're saved by Jesus Christ, by the power. I was in a coffee shop one day, you know, a coffee shop is, yeah, that's the right word. Um, And just, I was in another city, but that didn't matter. And this woman comes in and she was kind of a heavy set woman. She looked she looked a little bit like she'd come up a little hard. You know, she, she looked like she'd struggled a bit. And it was hot summer, and she had on a little tank top like this, which revealed pretty much her whole shoulder, shoulder to shoulder across the back, up near her neck. She sat down, and she had tattooed on her back in letters about three inches high, redeemed. And on one hand, it was just like it was not attractive to my eyes, But the other part of me just thought, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like, good God, what that must have meant to her. What it must have meant to her to to feel the power of Jesus to that extent. Because actually she was also reading the Bible, so there was no question about what she meant. To have felt the power of Jesus to that extent that she tattooed it on her back. I mean, it it really brought tears to my eyes in the moment, and I... I still, I still ask God to bless that woman. You know, just give her the strength of what she's doing. And if you can just stand quietly and, you know, I'm redeemed by Jesus, then you can listen to what everybody says because you're not threatened by it. People who, are, who, who have to protect need to back up a little bit till they can come to the part that they don't have to protect, meaning where they can just rest comfortably. And then you can weigh everything compared to it. And if it contributes, if it, if it enables you to go forward from where you're standing, then everything will help you. Because you'll be, you'll be living in your strength, you'll be standing in the truth, and you'll be, you'll be working out your own karma. Now that may sound funny, but I've seen sometimes people get all excited about theoretical ideas that are not actually related to where they're their actual level of faith is. Someone recently actually said this to me. They came to the realization, somebody who on the, on the, on the self-realization path, where we're supposed to try to be liberated. You know, we're supposed to try to become what's called jivan mukta, which is free in this lifetime. I'm not making fun of that, because it's not that we're supposed to try. It's that it's a potentiality. We can spend as many more lifetimes going in circles in delusion, or we can set our intention and go forward. But it's a very high goal, and it's a, it's a very abstract goal. And not everybody can grasp it comfortably. I speak for myself. I've never been able to. I've never been able to sincerely stand with that as my goal, because I, I don't really 
I don't haven't had the experience to understand what that means. So a friend of mine just recently remarked to me this sudden great relief to realize that actually they weren't very drawn to being liberated, but they were drawn to the wonderful experience of feeling God's presence. And so there was this sudden relaxation and freedom in just making that my goal, because that's where I can actually stand from experience. Every so often God comes to me, and that is so joyful. A friend of mine also raised a similar issue, because meditation is is central to the path of Yogananda and Swami Kriyananda that I and everyone in Ananda follows. And meditation is very important, there's no question. Meditation is the doorway through which many abstractions become experienced. But this woman just wasn't very good at meditation. She just wasn't good at it. And she sort of comes to me, you know, like this confession. You know, I have a really hard time meditating. And I said, but you love being in our temple and you love the music and you love the pageantry and you love the people and you love to serve. I said, it'll follow. Meditation will come. But her sincere position, and it was like, yes, she said. I said, you're very in tune with the vibration. You're not so good at that practice, so be better at the things that you're good at. I said, don't give up, but don't worry about it. It's just not your solid ground. She couldn't testify to the power of meditation, but she could absolutely testify to the joy of this path. And then you can always listen to wise counsel because you have have nothing to lose. You can just hear it. Whenever we're defensive, we're always on shaky ground. If somebody comes up to you and says, I figured you out, you're an alien from Mars, and you're here to steal our secrets and take them back to your planet, you don't say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, because it just goes way over your head. But if somebody is close, and you're a little not certain of yourself, that's when we become all we can't listen like that. Relax. Find your your true place and just stay there, and then everything will teach you because you'll be free to learn. So Swamiji says, Always listen inwardly for the voice of wise counsel. If you keep yourself fully open, you may hear suggestions even in the wind. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.